0: Welcome to The Kingdom Is For Everyone. This is your host, Matthew Hester, and this is the place to discuss all things righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to take just a moment to thank our Hester Ministries monthly supporters. Thank you so much for helping make this podcast a reality, as well as the many things we do for the sake of the gospel. You can enjoy this podcast wherever you love to listen to podcasts. And do me a favor, go ahead and like and share this. Leave a five-star review so that we can get in front of as many people as possible. Maybe you'd like to become specifically a podcast supporter. You love this podcast. You join us every week and you're like, hey, how can I be a part of making this podcast work? Well, go to the homepage for this podcast anchor.fm slash the kingdom for everyone. That's the number four. Uh, There you can find out how to become a monthly podcast supporter. There are levels as low as 99 cent a month. So if you can spare a little less than a dollar a month, we sure would appreciate it. It helps us uh, make this podcast the best that it can be. Uh, Click on the message tab. Uh, Leave us a voice message or a question to feature on an upcoming episode of our podcast. You can find that feature, again, on the homepage for this podcast. Uh, Here at The Kingdom is for Everyone, we want you to be more than an audience. We ultimately want you to be a participant. And so we're going to jump right into episode 41 of The Kingdom is for Everyone, and this episode is going to be titled The Moral God. The Moral God. Uh, this actually stems from a Facebook post that I did a while back that uh, had a lot of discussion and um, uh, a lot of people actually spoke about this uh, as a subject on another uh, podcast that I was a part of, and hopefully we'll share some of that in some of our later episodes. Um, But uh, I thought it was just such an interesting question, and so I thought, hey, let's go ahead and make an episode out of this thought, because I've had a lot of conversations around it in the last month. And so the question that's first posed, uh, and and again, I just want to mention to you, uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, Hester Ministries also has its own Facebook and Instagram. Um, we've got—I yeah, mean, just find us on all of our socials. We would love to connect with you uh, on all of our platforms. And so, this particular was on Facebook, and I start by posing this question: Do you preach Jesus? And, and you may say, "Well, I'm not a preacher." Well, okay. Well, do you worship Jesus, <laughs> or do you worship a moral idol? made in the image of religion. Wow, that is that is a mouthful. Do you preach Jesus or a moral idol made in the image of religion? Uh, and so I just want to get into this, and let's have some fun here. See, the Pharisees had God all figured out. They observed, and rather poorly, I would add, <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Um, and, and I say poorly because they were breaking the commandments before Moses could get down to even give them to the nation of Israel, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and so on, on top of that, they added another 600-plus laws and rules because, you know, if, if you're going to go law, right, if you're just going to be law-based and that's going to be your focus, usually the top dog of the law goes like this. Whoever has the most rules wins, right? Right. And so you gotta keep adding rules because you have to keep adding different ways to distance yourself from others. And, uh, and so that's really what the, the laws did. And, you know, after all, you know, whoever has the most rules wins, right? So, so what ensued was a moral standard, right? Weaponized by the law that not only reinforced surface level cleanliness and behavior modification, but it also created the needed separation between those who kept the law and those who didn't slash couldn't, because uh, especially as we get to the day of Jesus, uh, there's, there's even um, economic disparity that um, ruled out certain people from participating because there were temple taxes, you had to pay for sacrifices that the temple was selling, which is convenient enough, right? So if you couldn't afford these things uh, also, um, it uh, made you a sinner. That's how you were identified as a sinner. It wasn't too hard to pick you out of the crowd. Um so I want to say this before we continue. So Jesus did not come on the scene as the incarnate god dignifying humanity. He did not come to create a moral revolution. I love how NT Wright says it. He says Jesus did not come to establish a moral revolution, but a resurrection, right? A a uh, he, he came to establish what resurrected life would look like. Right. Uh, And so that that's really uh, what his agenda had always been. It's not about behavior modification. It's about new creation, establishing new creation, a, a mortal resurrection. Right. And so by the time Jesus arrived on the scene, God in the flesh, you know, most of the people he encountered figured that they knew who God was, too right they they knew him in a very limited veiled perspective but and this is what they knew he was benevolent as long as you know you followed the rules he was gracious again as long as you followed the rules he was loving as long as you loved him back and 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 one of the easiest ways to love him back was to follow the rules and, and the god everyone thought they knew you know at best appeared to be more like a morally demanding idol than a familial father, and at worst, he invoked the same bloodthirsty habits of Moloch. If you know broke the if you broke the rules, Moloch, you know animal sac- not all animal sacrifice, human sacrifice. My goodness, and, and you see a lot of these thoughts are kind of echoed, especially in the Old Testament, where the the face of God is veiled. Uh, it looks very much like that, and so we find God interjecting his heart throughout some of our favorite. Old Testament stories. Abraham is one, right? He he believed that God wanted human sacrifice in the form of his son, and then God had to intervene and change his mentality, right? Hey, I'm not the God who takes your laughter. I'm the God who gives. Uh, we also find it's a little—some these some of these waters are murky. We find it looks like that God supports genocide, infanticide, um, that, uh, you know, the nation of Israel, the Israeli armies would go and slaughter um, opposing forces wholesale. And uh, and we'd have prophets saying, this is what the Lord says. But then you get into Jeremiah and he says, I never instructed your fathers in the wilderness concerning sacrifice. David uh, said, uh, listen, if you wanted the sacrifices of bulls and, and, and oxen, I would give them to you, but you do not. So this is the sacrifice that I bring to you, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Uh, Can you see Jesus ordering the wholesale slaughter of people? No. He actually forgives those that are taking his life. Um, He tells his followers in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, turn the other cheek. If someone takes from you, give them that and volunteer to give them more. In other words, it's almost like the, 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 the great Christian reality that a lot of us don't want to talk about is Christianity looks like being taken advantage of. And, and, and actually with a smile on your face, being taken advantage of, being uh, manipulated, being um, downcast, being crucified. Oh, my goodness. So then when Jesus arrives on the scene, he challenges the moral idol that religion had built and revealed who God had always been. So Jesus, uh, so basically he had to systematically strip away the veil of the law which had built a great delusional chasm of distance and separation. Emmanuel showed us what it was like to truly be loved, seen, cared for, and accepted without any performance ism needed ever. So again, I want to get back to our initial question, right? This this episode, the moral God. Do you preach Jesus or do you preach a moral idol made in the image of religion? That moral idol. Do, do this, and God is pleased. Don't do this, and God will smite you as the almighty smiter, right? Follow all the rules, and God will be pleased. Um, that is an idolatrous image that does not look like Jesus. And since we know Jesus is the exact image of God, you know, Hebrews 1.3, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power right? And then, uh, again, we talk about the the moral law-based focus. Now, again, I want to say, because almost like I can hear this thought, you know, ringing out, well, are you saying morality is wrong? No, I'm not saying. Morality is fine. And there are moral standards, right? Especially culturally. But I'm trying to to say we can't allow the demands of the law to inform what we believe is our moral superiority over our brother or sister, because if that's the case, then your morality is immoral and that's something right because religion always finds ways to create the haves and the have-nots those that deserve and who, who are undeserving and, and we call it morality or we even call it God probably one of the most nefarious things that we can do is we we call our idolatrous images that we've built that we call God we even call it Jesus and, and so is it any wonder the world is so confused? We talk about Jesus and they read about Jesus and he seems, oh, I would, I would just so love Jesus. But then we just don't look like Jesus. We look more like the idol of our own image, right? It, it's like God wants what we want. He, he wants vengeance on the people we want vengeance on. He wants to hurt the people that hurt us. Isn't that interesting how that plays out? So again, we know that we have victory over, over the law. We know we have victory over sin. I mean, 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I know I've got some a lot of verses here. I, I know this isn't a Bible study, but bear with me. 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 18. But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Jesus Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Wow, so there's just so much there. So so I I do believe that was true in the day of Paul when he was writing this letter to the church in Corinth. But it's also, I still believe it's layered truth for us. If you're not careful and you just try to understand the God of the Old Covenant without the lens of Jesus, you're going to see God veiled, right? It's God misrepresented. It is God, it's God basically in the way that humanity acts towards God. When God acts towards humanity, we want to crucify him. Right? And so we see the crucified God over and over again, but then Jesus brings the clarity. Listen, do not, I want to challenge you, do not approach God if you're trying to do it outside the lens of Jesus. And that's what brings so much confusion to the world at large. Now, you can still have experiences with God, experiences with the Spirit, right? But you're never going to gain clarity, true clarity, the heart and nature of God, unless you realize who God is in and through the person of Jesus. He's the exact image. So, I mean, Jesus is the perfect image of God. We have every right—think about this, I want to encourage you—you and I have every right to question and to scrutinize any other images that came before his arrival. We must stop worshiping a form of God that looks like a moral idol, and we must imitate the loving, gracious, sin-bearing, self-sacrificial Jesus. Because let's be honest, this is what the world desperately needed 2,000 years ago and newsflash flash, no surprise here, it's what the world desperately needs right now today. Uh, the world does not need another uh, moral fortress, another religious structure to, to, to try to create an us versus them. That doesn't work. It's never worked. And we're seeing the proof of that right now. They need to see the perfect image of Jesus. And you and I had this amazing and unique ability to facilitate that encounter. My goodness. So let's not take it for granted and let's recognize, let's recognize this. and let. So I would challenge you, let's go ahead and commit to get rid of the idol, the idol God that we have built made in the image of religion or even the idol god that many of us have built that looks like our image right Uh, that's one of the things that uh, i would just challenge you and and i'll just say for myself it concerns me the most is um for me i tend to i want to take a step back when when the god that i serve starts looking like the god that that you know looks like me okay and again, what do I mean by that? So, I carry offense, and it's like, hey, my God is offended by, by that. Uh, I I'm upset with this certain people group or this this certain uh, way of thinking. Oh, my my God will deal with them. He will He will exact His righteous judgment. Um, for me, that's like that's territory that we we've got to be very careful. Alarm should be going off in our heads, because again, that's that is basically what idolatry is. You know, the greatest idol, and most of us don't talk about this, especially in the church, the greatest exercise and experience of idolatry is not an image made of wood, right? Uh, you know, I think of um, one of my favorite Chinese restaurants uh, here locally I love to go to. Um, you know, they've got the, uh, the statue of Buddha there. Um, that stuff doesn't bother me at all. What, what bothers me is idolatry of self, self-idolatry where i i worship my own desire i worship my own uh opinion i worship my own need for division and separation and then again like i I said i've said before in this episode um and then it's interesting it's like god starts looking like me and he picks the same fights that i pick and i can find the verses to prove and disprove what i am really truly upset about um but, but, guys, we can't do that. We have to be free from that, and we have to present Jesus for who he is, right? Jesus, who is—he's pretty good at defending everyone. He's pretty good at challenging everyone's paradigms. I pray that in your relationship with Jesus that your your paradigms are challenged. They, they should be. They must be for it to be an authentic encounter with Jesus, right? Um, you know, I, I've said this uh, growing up, and, and I think of it often. Um, you know, when you look into the eyes of Jesus— you can't help but to have—with that encounter, you can't help but to have a significant change. And it's not Jesus who changes, it's us. And that's every time. Every time we behold him for who he is, something about us has to change. And so I just want to encourage you in that uh, and, and along this topic. Let's put the moral God, the, the idolatrous God we've constructed, let's put him to rest so that we can worship the one true God that we see in and through the person of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and finish up there. I pray that this has blessed you and challenged you. Hey, let us know uh, what, what you think about this. And if you have questions, we'd love to, at some point in the future, I'd love to do an episode that is just questions. Questions that you, our listeners, have asked, and we rise to the occasion, and we want to make sure we speak to what you are concerned about and what you uh, care about. All right. God bless you. I want to mention a couple things before we finish up. Uh, First, please go to HesterMinistries.org. You can find out more about what we do there. You can get information on becoming a financial supporter. You can find resources. We have books available. We have message series that you can have immediate digital downloads for. Uh, So please go there and find that uh, go to presenttruthacademy.org right now uh, as we are recording this episode. We're on summer break, uh, but we have tons of resources available for you. And right now we are planning uh, for what we're going to be doing for the fall semester. We're so excited about that for our next 10 weeks primary study track. Uh, so go there, avail yourself of what is there, and you can go ahead and have a summer that will be fire for you. Come on, in, in your, your journey in truth, your discovery of the heart and nature of God. I just cannot overemphasize it enough. Um, Again, I want to remind you, please like this podcast, share it, and leave a five-star review so that others can be blessed as a result. It truly means so much to us. All right, well, God bless you. Have an amazing week. thank you again for letting us do this. It's a privilege that you would allow us to be a part of your life every week, every Tuesday, or, you know, whatever day you listen to it. Um, You know, I I like to think people are driving down the road, they're in the gym, you know, they're just listening and they're, they're being impacted and challenged and changed as a result. Wherever you listen to us around the world, we are so grateful. All right, God bless you. Have an amazing week. We look forward to seeing you next time for our next episode. I just want to go ahead and sign off this way as we always do and let it be a reminder to you this really is the core of what this entire podcast is about if the kingdom isn't for everyone well then it's not for anyone god bless you